Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. Today, we are back in the studio in Miami. Me and Marcus sit down and catch up. His phone's going off right now. I'm not sure if you guys heard that, but it's all good. We are sitting down with Nate Hill. He has been on the podcast before. Super strong power lifter. Uh, him and Marcus had, were doing some big business things here in Miami, so we were fortunate enough to have him around for this episode. We talk about upcoming fights. Uh, we talk about some of the stuff going on with cancel culture and actually kind of a win, uh, you know, in the pushback against cancel culture for a former MLB player who was falsely accused of some form of assault or sexual assault. I can't uh, remember exactly what it was, but we talk about it in the episode and then we just talk about a bunch of other nonsense as per usual. As always, make sure you check us out at hybridstrengthcoach.com. We have every program you can think of, every strength sport, Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, bodybuilding, strongman. We even have general fitness and athlete-specific programs. You can try any of those programs or all of them for seven days free just by clicking the seven-day free option at checkout. And that's it. So sit back, relax, enjoy another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. Before we get into the episode, just want to give a quick shout out to Whitmer Rejuvenation Clinic. They are a sponsor of ours and we took them on because we talk a lot about testosterone, hormone replacement therapy, PED use, all that stuff. And because of that, you know, while we have opinions on that, we are not professionals in that space. If you have questions about whether you're a good candidate for that or not, these are the people that can help you with that. And Marcus, I know that you have been a customer of theirs for, you know, quite some time, so maybe you can speak to that a little bit yeah i i was going through the same thought process years ago and i had a lot of questions about you know the, the state of my blood work uh my testosterone levels and as a performance athlete it was always a question that i had in the back of my mind guys please don't go to your local gym bro or guy on instagram to get these questions answered for you where rejuvenation clinic provides solid medical advice they read your blood work they go to the results with you and they give you actionable and realistic steps for dealing with potential medical problems and not bullshit. This is for actual medical advice. So please, you know, if you have questions on this stuff, let them take your blood panels and give them a chance, give them a consult. And I promise you, they'll, they'll treat you right. I know they've done that for me over the years and I can only speak positively about my experience and the type of advice they've given me. Check them out in the show notes. They provide comprehensive assessments over telehealth. Now onto the show. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. We're back. We're back in the studio. The boys are back in town, yeah. literally. For those who have been watching and seeing that I haven't been in the studio and Marcus has been absent. I know. I got unofficially booted off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> not actually. Just, not actually. Just just out of happenstance. Just by convenience. Mm -hmm. I ended up being in Nova Scotia for longer than planned because of a hurricane that basically wrecked half of my parents' property. I love, and I don't think you've fully appreciated when I've said this, so I'm gonna say it one more time. Hayden lives in Miami, which everybody thinks gets hit by hurricanes and <clears throat> never does. When it does, it's pretty horrific, but like Hayden went all the way to Nova Scotia and the most powerful hurricane that formed in the last couple years followed him. Yeah. Literally followed him to the most remote place you could think of getting hit by a hurricane and a, a, a fucking i'm sure you guys follow his instagram and if you don't hayden's back on instagram everybody oh, so shit. go right. give hayden.bo a follow make sure you engage he's the yeah. boss he's the ceo of hybrid performance <laughs> method i'm back for now Act, <laughs> so, acting ceo so i'm uh, i'm going to 
not get too excited. Last time <laughs> I thought I was back for good and I was um, falsely uh, flagged for impersonation of myself. There's a good clip we can put in here. What's Dwight it? from the office <laughs> impersonation <laughs> <of> crime. <laughs> yeah. So back Jam. for now. But yeah, I, I nine years in Miami, zero property damage due to natural disasters in Nova Scotia for like less than a month. Tree, Tree falls on, on my car. Brand new. You got rid of the, the whip and got a Bronco and dude, you got you got fucking mother natured. By a hurricane, a tree fell on the brand new Bronco. It's the, just the Porsche gods were mad. Yeah. <laughs> this boy, he's not very good. Yeah. So we will punish him. Uh, you know, it uh, was not the best, but I was still thankful. The cost of replacing anything on a Bronco is significantly less than anything on a Porsche. So, oh yeah. Um, I'm I'm pretty pumped about it being. Okay, because when I walked out in the morning, it was actually funny. The night that the hurricane was coming, like the the property has tons of trees all over it, huge, huge trees. And um, I, I was asking my dad, I'm like, do you think I should move my car out to the street or something away from the trees? He goes, no, 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 where, where your car and uh, where Emily, my sister's car is. He's like, uh, your cars are going to be fine. Uh, I put mine in the spot that's most vulnerable, so if somebody gets hit, it's it's gonna be my car, so I'm like, all right. And I had a bad feeling about it. I should have just gone with my gut. Wake up in the morning, open the front door, or sorry, the back door, and my car and my sister's car is just under a tree. And my dad, which is not good. No, and my dad's car is totally fine. It's like no, 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 just totally. <laughs> he's untouched. looking at the beds and he's like, most vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, and not only was it totally fine, it was also not even impeded, so he could like come and go. <laughs> and uh, at least you got to ride around in luxury. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, my sister's car was completely totaled. That's crazy. Completely totaled. Oh, wow. Like right off. Um, but they had a, a good policy. Like there was. Um, I don't even know if this is if they have the same thing in the states, but they had a. It's like a new car clause in it. Where yeah, if the car is less here. than five years old, they'll just replace it if it's a write-off instead of giving you like... It's a write-off. Yeah. <laughs> they just write it off. It's a real write-off. So <laughs> she got to, you know, drive a car. She had it. When she bought it, it was brand new. And uh, now she gets another brand new one. So she's going to get a 2024. Sick. So, uh, new rolls. <laughs> <laughs> so it was uh it was a shock though for sure. And then there was some other shit that was kind of crazy. Like we... Uh, I can't remember if I told you or not, but... When they were removing the tree, like if you wait for the city, everybody's putting in calls to try to get it removed. So you're like, it's going to take forever. So that day they had um, – the hurricane wasn't even officially over yet. It was still like raining and stuff. But the, my dad and a few other guys were out there, you know, uh, removing it, cutting down the tree. And as they were cutting parts down, they had to support it with uh, two-by-fours and stuff so that it wouldn't just fall. But it got to the point where it was time to – to kick out the supports and uh one of the guys was a little a little ambitious jumped the gun not everyone was paying attention so my sister and valentina were out there the tree falls hits the ground and because of like the way it was weighted with some of the other branches on it it just flipped over and smoked them both <sighs> hit them both in the head okay. and uh valentina was okay like she like, twisted her ankle she was a little scraped up my sister got like a pretty big impact got Pretty bad concussion. Oh she's still, gosh, still, she's still like dealing with the symptoms of it. She had to take a couple of weeks off of work. She uh, 
you know, had like headaches and mood swings and like all the stuff that's associated with uh, concussion, you know, and just feeling lethargic and, you know, you know, I don't know if you've ever had a concussion, but yeah, you know, they, they can be pretty gnarly. And um, yeah, that was a, it was an exciting little uh, adventure. Now there. you're back. And now, now I'm back and we're all, in case you guys uh, want to join us, we're all, we're in fat camp. Oh yeah. So we are not drinking, um, no pot. I don't know if you're doing no pot, but I'm doing no I, pot. Dude, I, you know what's crazy? I just like refused to like cut that out before, like before I started fat camp. And then when I started, I'm just like, man, I eat in the middle of the night every night. Like man, when I was powerlifting, it was like fine because it just didn't, you know, I wanted to be big. And, but, it, and it wasn't hurting your goals. No, 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 no. You know, I'd be, I'd be like, all right, great. I got some more calories in. But once I cut it out like three months ago when I started this, it was like I just stopped eating in the middle of the night mm-hmm. unless I was like starving. Like it, it's pretty sober these days except for like cigars. And that's yeah. it. That's kind of the only vice I got at this point. You got to have something. I know. You have something, right? I know. It, it's, I know. Al- it's always the people who are completely sober who get mixed up in some like – weird shit you, you start know? doing some like esoteric like crazy next level like oh, i'm now some kind of fucking yoga guru and mm-hmm. you know i'm on a ton of mushrooms but i'm sober i was like you're not sober you're also not that philosophical like, right come on fitness guys <laughs> you know what's going on what's with fitness people and uh like ayahuasca and other psychedelics they're really Man, big into that i feel like lifting weights gives you a sense of euphoria and accomplishment and purpose and then once you don't do that so much anymore like your quasi philosophy of like training yeah a lot of guys will turn training into some big philosophical and en- endeavor right mm-hmm. like make some big post about like how they overcame and how they did this thing and lifted a lot of weights and it's like that's not very philosophical and also just because you stopped and started doing drugs like psychedelics or drugs yeah i don't know who needs to hear that but like you do it that's fine but don't make yourself out to be the next fucking like shaman of the 21st century just because you ingested some fucking weird plant yeah there is a weird um sort of attitude that comes sometimes with people who do a lot of psychedelics where they like they think that people who haven't done them are not enlightened and and they you know have kind of like seen behind the curtain or something and we're all (laughs) stupid or or like i don't know what it is yeah talk talk about it in a way that it's like if someone has just been some who has just been sober and working hard for their whole life and like they're like right but like you don't understand like what you should really be doing right and it's like no no no. or some people are just fine or you (laughs) yeah believe it or not you need to be like grounding yourself and touching the ground for 16 (laughs) minutes a day that's right it's like yeah it feels good i don't (laughs) I don't know if that makes you some the next like like Dalai Lama because you decided to touch the dirt with your feet. I mean, that's and one, uh, one time I was with uh, Bart Kwan. He's the owner of Barber Brigade. He's hilarious, uh, you know. And his his main I think gig is like comedy. Yeah. And uh, we were with somebody who had a DMT vape pen. And he, they make those. Yeah. And, and the guy, I won't say his name. I'm not trying to throw shade at him or anything, but he was uh, asking, you know, like if people wanted to do it and Park One's like, what is it? And he said, DMT he goes, 
what? So, <laughs> he's like, correct me if I'm wrong, but anyone I've ever heard talk about this is like this type of this drug is like, if you're going to do this, like buckle up, you know, like it's a, it's like a, a, it's a ride, you know, <laughs> and, and you just have this in a little pen that you, you can just hit. Yeah, this, well, yeah, his guy, I guess the, I've never done it, but I guess the trip is only like 10 minutes or something like that. So. Oh. So people say it's ten minutes, but it feels, it feels like, like like months or whatever. Yeah. Do you know who Ari Shafir is? The yeah, comedian? yeah. What, he's like I lived underwater and I had an entire life for three months, months or whatever, and then was like came back and it had been ten minutes. Like he, he, he and he uh, like met somebody. He yeah. was in a romantic relationship in this alt, like alternate world for months in a civilization under the sea <laughs> and then yeah and snap back and he was just back in his real like normal life again have you ever had a dream where you like fall in love with a girl in the dream and then you wake up and then it's over and then you just like feel horrible yeah but it's, it's better to have loved and lost yeah. than never oh i wake up and i'm like what the fuck <laughs> like, yeah. i just like just fell in love and like got broken up with and woke up and now it's not real like I, fuck that that sucks so much yeah it's, you get the something that's awesome and then it just gets ripped away because you're like fucking dreaming like, you just roll over and see your wife and you're like well this is fine yes yeah. <laughs> i'm like you're disappointed <laughs> well it's like it is kind of weird it's like your brain tricks you and it's not like a specific person i've never known the person that it was attached to but it's like you have this really intense dream feeling and then you wake up and you're like wait that was all fake what the fuck is this all fake yeah <laughs> you ever had a dream where you wake up and it takes you a while to like come back to reality and realize that that was a dream yeah. like I've, I've had a few i guess i was traumatized by school to some degree mm -hmm. <laughs> um but i would have uh this dream like maybe a couple times a year enough that i realized i was having it more than once and uh i would think i was unprepared for an exam oh yeah and i was waking up and then i would have this anxiety for like five ten minutes about this exam i have to go write that i'm not ready for and then it would all sink in that it's not true yeah, and i would have like graduated. so much relief so yeah. oh my god the same thing's been happening to me for the last 10 years since i graduated college <laughs> like um, whatever yeah i guess it's coming up on the 10 same years. thing close where it's like I'll be in a dream and I'll think that I missed some like critical exam at the end of like my school term and like didn't actually graduate because I missed this thing and it was all fake and I didn't actually go to college or something because I didn't get the degree at the end and I'll wake up and be like, what the fuck? Why is that so stressful? That's I guess it's like, I mean, being in school, basically from the time you can remember until the time you complete it, that is such, it's such a long journey to think that you're back in there and having to climb that hurdle again uh ac oh, okay you you uh, hot i'm a little hot yeah you guys are just coming off of a uh it's a little leg, leg, leg workout eh? yeah, what'd you do fat camp leg workout we were talking about this one did i hear you did sets of 10 i did one we did one set so we just did back squat belt leg uh belt squat leg extension hamstring curl we're kind of talking about this while we trained and like he's probably one of the first people I've ever trained with that's like pretty much trained the same way I did whenever I was really strong. And we were talking about this in the context of like gen pop people that are powerlifting or younger powerlifters. And it's amazing like how much work the some guys feel like they have to put in and how complicated they make their leg workouts. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking back to all of my training and like you're you said the same thing, right? Yeah. Like. All I ever did 
was back squat, belt squat, hamstring curl, leg extension. Like sometimes I would swap one of those out for a leg press and like forever that was it. That's how I got strong. It's like you can get really, really, really strong by, by that word. The squat, leg press, leg extension, leg curl. Mm -hmm. You do that for you do that for five years intensely with eating enough you're probably gonna be like 97 percent as strong as you'd be like no matter what you do yeah i think um there's two things right if your goal is to just get stronger yeah then all that is is about becoming more efficient in the the movements you're trying to get stronger in right so actually only having a few exercises that you're dedicating most of your energy to mm -hmm. i think is valuable whereas if you're trying to get bigger and like actually like for you guys you're you're just going to be big regardless but for somebody who's trying to do bodybuilding mm -hmm. you know that's where variation makes a little bit of a difference because you getting more efficient at the movements is actually sort of detrimental to mm. yeah the you want the same adaptation the to, response. to grow right yeah, yeah it's like we're for being in a weight class sport yeah like based on strength you don't really want to put on size right mm. it's kind of detrimental f's up your dot score yeah <laughs> so unless yeah. you want to just get big like then maximize how strong you can be being big sure. which is like that's the reason we're in fat camp am i right that's how much weight have you lost uh so oh, i just started i started after you so i'm down about five pounds only oh, so far. Shit. all right but uh i i've always um been able to gain and lose weight really quickly um it's just like if I number one thing is just if I don't if I cut out alcohol so that was a thing that I would do when I was cutting before it's like I can lose 10 pounds just from not uh, drinking yeah you know oh, wow. and then and then the other thing is like like you were saying if you smoke weed it's very easy to consume like 80 percent of your calories at night yeah like right, right <laughs> yeah. before bed so you know? bad you know and that that was a habit that I had for me too for quite forever some time. So now it's, it's kind of weird though. Cause then you get into, you're so used to doing that. And then you're in this state where you're like, I'm bored. What would I normally be doing? Like shoving everything I can down in my face, oh, dude. Yeah. you know? And now it's like, maybe I'll read. Yeah. I've yeah. So I've never, never smoked weed. Um, but I lived in like, a lived in a house where the owner of the house sold weed trap house, yeah. Try and lived in the trap house for, <laughs> no for a way. little bit until, <laughs> until I met Marcus and he was like, Dude, go go get your own house. This dude's out here crushing it, working, and he's like, "Yeah, I still live in the trap house." I'm like, well, "What do you mean?" He's just like, "Yeah, I just live in the trap house." I'm like, "You can buy a house, man. You yeah, made really good money the last few years." And he's like, "Oh, all right, oh, all right." Uh, dude bought like a fucking like Houston townhouse mansion. Nice. Yeah, you said Marcus is since you've uh, met Marcus, <laughs> you've been you've been spending a little more. Dude, got the rolly. Why did I didn't, I didn't like home. tell him to spend more? I'm like, because I'm not doing that. But I'm just saying, like, there's certain things like in in the real estate profession, it does not hurt to have a nice watch. Mm -hmm. It does not hurt to like <laughs> rocking the deep sea, baby. <laughs> That is a sick watch. Uh, Thank it's you, great. Man. He's one of the only dudes that could. I had one of. The, I had the littler version of that before. And uh, it's like in the real estate profession, I'm like, man, you know, being in an area in his field, mm -hmm. we work in very similar fields in the real estate business. And like it actually adds a lot of credibility to what you do depending on where you live and like mm -hmm. the type of expertise you have. 
Nate took it to heart, man. Well, it is. Uh, there's a signaling component to it where it says something about you without you having to yeah, yeah, do or say anything. For sure. And, and I'm like going like into people's houses, like measuring them and taking pictures and stuff for a real estate appraisal. Sorry, Nate Hill, friend of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm on as yeah. a guest today. Second time guest. Hey, guys, second time guest. But uh, but yeah, and like going through someone's house, I feel like being nicely dressed, having a nice watch. People are way more like. Oh yeah, go through my whole house and take pictures and do whatever. They don't feel like I'm gonna like rob them <laughs> yeah. or you know like yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah but yeah. Anyway, lived in lived in the trap house, seen it. I've seen you know friends just like smoke weed at night and then DoorDash just massive amounts of chicken fingers and and whatever and just like crushing burgers yeah. and stuff while I'm just sitting there going, oh okay, so this is like. You guys seem to be liking food a lot more than I like like food, yeah, you know, yeah. or the line, but like the rational barrier between <laughs> like because like when I was training, we were all training like we had a fucking run together, all yeah. of us and like pretty much lived similar lives. But you'd I'd go home and I'd be recovering from like fucking getting in a car wreck basically every day and I get <laughs> high and like. I'm like, go through the Uber Eats thing in the middle of the night, like nine o'clock. Like, man, you know, it'd be really great is some fucking pie, some yeah. fireman Derek's, bro. Let's get some FDs. And before you know the it, spreads you, we used to have were <laughs> fucking unbelievable. Hundred dollar pie order. Yeah. Imagine like <laughs> oh, yesterday yeah. we had this trade show event and I was like looking around. I'm like, oh shit, we didn't bring anything to like attract people. Yeah. So I ordered like a hundred dollars worth salty of salty donut? donuts. I could tell by the boxes. <laughs> oh yeah. It was not as much a hit as I wanted, but we did give it away to some people and that was actually kind of cool. So every night you get high, just look at the Uber Eats app and like, if you weren't high, you'd probably be like, wait a second, I'm $100 on fucking pie? Pie? Really? What kind of fat piece of shit am I? You'd say no if you were sober, but when you're high, you're just like, fuck. I know. Talking about crack pie? Like, crack pie? And then you think about it as a sober human now, it's like, oh, that's 500 calories? Yeah. And for you guys that don't know, if you don't follow Marcus Leone on Instagram, which is me, which is the co-host of the podcast, <laughs> I'm down 20 pounds today. As of today, I have lost 20 pounds for the first time in my life. I've never dieted and like consistently tracked until now. And like I can actually lose weight. I'm like kind of surprised. Yeah, you look good. And yeah, I think you've lost like five of those 20 out of your head. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know, is good. It's a good look. All right. So yesterday we went to the barber shop. Shout out Jose. If you guys need a barber in Miami, oh, yeah, Jose Hernandez did, did over at Winwood Hair, fucking greatest. And uh I was sitting in the chair with him and Nate was with me, and I'm like, I was like, hey man, how do I look? He's like, You look good. I was like, Yeah, I'm in fat camp. And he's like, oh, No, fat camp, you weren't fat. And I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, what the fuck kind of PC bullshit is this? Like, I can say whatever I want about myself. Like, I was happy being fat. I got fat on purpose. Like, I was, did you know how strong I was when I was at my, like, peak weight? Like, things were, that was fine. I did it for a reason. But it's funny because I've done that in multiple different situations. And people always react, like, really upset and, like, kind of concerned that I called myself fat. And I'm like, you guys don't get it. This is not. <laughs> it was, I was proud of that at one point. I was like yeah. very happy. Yeah. I was not doing it because I was sad or like didn't know how to control myself. <laughs> I mean, sure, that was a component, but like a little component. But the purpose was like very clear. Like I started powerlifting. I wanted to be really strong. I got really good at it. And then my wife told me I was fat. So I started. 
<laughs> she's gonna listen to this and get pissed. You, you, she didn't actually say that. She just said, "Babe, she just, she she nicely nudged you." Don't need you in to be right three hundred pounds anymore, do you? And I'm like, "That's you know a good what? point." I, I think you probably get that reaction because even at your heaviest, if I were to describe you, I wouldn't like <laughs> if to somebody who didn't know you, I wouldn't be like the fat guy, right? That wasn't the thing. Yeah, you no. weren't you weren't fat to the point where that's what stood out the most about people you. People think fat and they think Lizzo. Right, exactly. <laughs> or some people think Lizzo and they think beautiful. Dude, or Lizzo's dancers, as she said. Oh, oh that's right. Dude, yeah. rough Lizzo story, huh? dancers fat. Do you imagine some <laughs> obese woman bullying you? I'd be like, okay. Oh, you're listen. Fat. Hold on now. <laughs> but imagine being offended by Lizzo calling you fat. Or maybe is that's that what she, why wait, wait, was Is that what she did? Yeah. So yeah. Lizzo called, Lizzo hired a full roster of fat backup dancers. Because that's like the thing. And then they came out being like, Lizzo was like calling us fat. And we would do these. Oh, I thought you know, she was just being mean to them. In the, well, in their words, they're like, we would do these like long performances and she would just like call us fat and all this. And it's like, well, right. Because she hired, you cannot be in, in good backup dancer shape, I would imagine. Right. And be fat. <laughs> she was calling? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's why the whole thing was so funny. Oh, and, actually, I mean, or, I, just I read mean, not funny to those people, I guess. They were pretty yeah. upset about it. Or yeah. maybe they were just trying to get a bigger payday. Right. Um, but it, it it was a little bit surprising. I feel like yeah. if Lizzo called me fat, I'd just be like, you're fat. But look at you, though. <laughs> you know? It's like, obviously, is that is that a compliment in this day and age anyway? I don't even know. But oh, um, I think there's something that we need to address as people, as a society, as this like PC thing evolves. Like, it, unless you're doing it to tell, like people assume they equate the word fat with right. some kind of negative inference on that person. They, they equate that with like being slovenly and lazy and not hardworking. But the reality is like, if you do it from a place where you're like, Obviously, you don't go call somebody fat. I can call myself fat because I was fat. Right. Or fatter than I should have been. Like, I had excess body fats. What do you want me to say? My body fat percentage was too high. I'm not going to say that about myself because, like, I don't take it that seriously. But if you look at most people, they are carrying more body fat than they should. And I think that this is mm -hmm. that's a negative health consequence as a result of that. It's not... The, co the conversation shouldn't be some emotional things. I know that there's – and sometimes there's extenuating medical circumstances and life circumstances. Sure, but like the reality is carrying less body fat is a positive health benefit. Well, and also acknowledging something negative should be okay, right? <laughs> like if someone is fat – like you said, it's one thing if you're, if you're speaking to them directly and calling them fat – just to make them feel bad okay that's yeah. not well, that's nice, fucked up obviously yeah. but it's like if somebody's fat it's like i didn't do that to you i just met you <laughs> right now and right you've been this way and i'm just noticing you yeah. know and i think it's like due to the like marcus you can you can call marcus fat if he's 310 pounds and it's like if it's on purpose and he knows that if you have the willpower to do xyz things to get your deadlift up to 400 kgs or whatever you know that you have the the discipline to do a lot of things, including obviously not like losing that fat. <laughs> right. A lot of people are fat due to just like the lack of ability. And there's like mm -hmm. in their mind, well, there's nothing I can do about it. But it's like sure. if if someone like when I at one point like died it down a lot, people are like, 
oh, you're, wow, you're looking good, you know, da, 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 da. And it's like, well, right, but when I was at that other point, I wanted to be at that point. And now I want to be right. at this point. And that's like such a foreign concept to people that you could lose 20 pounds just because you decided to. Yeah. And people will spend 10, 20 their whole life being fatter than they want to be and just like helpless in their mind to be yeah. able to do anything about well, and it. And you made a good point about uh, when you see people who are able to do other things that that um, require a lot of discipline and dedication. Yeah. It's like I think a lot of people who are overweight – that is that lack of discipline is probably something that is present in many areas of their life, not just with their weight. It's like that's a, some a visible representation of how that's affecting them. But, you know, it's like you, you, they probably have a messy car. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. You know, they probably don't clean their house as well as they you know could. have. There's like right. a million things that. I think are all interconnected. If you think about there. the principles, and this is what I've learned, because like I knew this the whole time, right? But I just like I was, not, I literally just was not disciplined enough to stop smoking weed at night and stop eating in the middle of the night. I wasn't disciplined enough to like control the amount of walking I got. I wasn't disciplined enough to eat enough protein every day, and in spite of all that, I still got very strong and did what I wanted to. But when you take it back to the principles, like we were talking about, like, what does the leg training look like for somebody who is that strong? Because like, you guys probably get this all the time, but somebody meets you like, how'd you get so big? And it's like 15 years of being obsessed mm -hmm. with getting strong and building my body. So if the principles behind that are very simple, like we do the same leg workout for 15 years and I have been doing the same leg workouts for 15 years mm -hmm. and that's how I'm that strong. But if you think about dieting, it's like the principles I learned, even, you know, when you guys did some nutrition coaching with me and I was thinking about hiring a nutrition coach for this, but I'm like, that shifts some accountability off myself. And for me, I didn't want that because I didn't want somebody else to be accountable for what I'm doing. I want to be mm -hmm. accountable to myself. And I knew that if I had to go and like, I had already paid for my fitness pal like a year ago and I just didn't follow through on it. So I'm like, wait, it's like, I already paid for this thing. I know what to do. Right. I used um, like a layout of macros and I like kept adjusting it down. And then I started to track my weight every day. I started to just get, I was like, all right, well, Luke has to go on a walk mm -hmm. a couple times a day because he's a fucking maniac. If I don't walk him. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to get 10,000 steps a day walking Luke. And then like, if I have to make a phone call, I'm just going to go pace around. And it was super simple changes that, I just wasn't disciplined enough to do before, like cutting out smoking weed and eating like an asshole, eating enough protein, training the same way I always did. They didn't add in a bunch of cardio and go in the morning to go do treadmill work. Like Stan Efferding makes a comment about that whenever he talks where people are doing fasted cardio. And it's like you're stepping over dollar bills to pick up dimes. Yeah. yeah. Like you could just I, – I was like, all right, I'm going to get – seven to eight hours of sleep every night. I'm going to walk 10,000 steps a day, track my calories, weigh myself. And like, even if I have a weird week or my weight spikes, like I, I knew it well enough to just push through it and think, all right, I don't need to make some crazy change now. I just need to continue being consistent. Like every diet coach says, but there was moments that I was like really impulsive to change it. And then I thought to myself, wait a second, like, you can go out at dinner with your family. You can go out and like yesterday, like we ordered all those donuts and I was like kind of contemplating not having it. I'm like, you know what? I haven't eaten today. 
standing for eight hours. Like, this is not going to kill me. I know that, like, I'll be fine. I lost weight the last two days in a row also, mm-hmm. you know, like I have been pretty consistently, but I still followed all of those principles. You know, sure, I didn't get the perfect steps and I didn't eat the perfect amount of food and I didn't follow everything verbatim. But just like we talked about in training, and this goes for you guys, too, that are listening, like the secret to getting big and strong is how patient you are. And like, mm-hmm. it's very simple stuff. Like there's no get rich quick schemes in business and there's no get get strong quick schemes and fitness like you have to do it for a long time and follow like a couple simple principles and if you can do it long enough and maintain those habits long enough then they become habits it's like now i want to go on a walk every morning i want to go on a walk every night now instead of driving to the gym sometimes i'll walk to the gym Mm -hmm. there and back like little things you can add into the day act actively make a big difference if you do it long enough yeah they say the you know, people think they like gained all this weight over the holidays and stuff like that. And people say the the average amount of weight gained over Christmas holiday is one pound. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a lot less than people think. But the problem is people never lose that one pound. So it's like you gain one pound over Christmas. You gain one pound over Memorial Day, over Fourth of July, one pound over Thanksgiving. And so that's, you know, mm-hmm. f- five or so weekends, weeks in a year that you're undisciplined. You get... And so that's like, you know, five pounds a year, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. But you do that for 10 years. It's a big difference. 50 pounds heavier. And so, and so similarly with losing weight, it's like, well, it doesn't, it doesn't happen, have to happen fast. But if you are disciplined and you lose a pound, a couple pounds a month over the course of the next five years, you're likely going to be where you want to be mm-hmm. but it's just like at the very least much closer to <laughs> right it's right. yeah. very very small pieces of discipline things inserted in your life that yeah. are get people where they want to be yeah and i think i think that's why tracking your weight i know for some people it's traumatic if you've like struggled with weight your whole life or anything but have seeing that number change and go in the direction you want it to over time, I think can be very motivating and even so, like somewhat addicting in a good way. <clears throat> because if you're just waking up every, you've been on a diet for two weeks, you know, and for you, that's tough. And you know, you, you want to feel proud about it, but you look in the mirror and you don't really see a change. You look the same. Yeah. It's like, it's easy for people to fall off. I think. Whereas if you have this and you're like, okay, you know, I went to, I had salty donut. I, you know, didn't get as many steps as I wanted, but this week I'm still down half a pound or a pound on average. It's like that, that can be enough to keep people going. And I think that's, that's an important thing. Things you don't miss track. Like, listen, I, I had a lot of this this year, like learning things about business, learning things about my weight, my health, all this stuff. And it's like what you don't track, you don't know and things that you can measure, you can change. So mm-hmm. if you're able to like watch things in business, because this is also we take it. I've heard this from people and Stan Efforting has also said this, right? Like if you can be as disciplined as you are in the gym doing something in business, you will eventually be very successful. But nothing like that happens overnight. Like in the industry I'm in, mm-hmm. it's sometimes very slow. But like once you learn some some of the founding principles behind like networking and like going and being with your community something as simple as like today i was part of a for the first time in years i was like 
we like with my my new partner i decided to join like a banking association and like i thought it was a like i realized oh well this is where these people eat if i'll meet them eventually if i just keep showing up to these things one of those accounts could change our com completely the course of our business it's like all right so i'm gonna go join another one right so i joined we joined another one i did like a, a charity golf tournament and like i got to have two conversations that could potentially be huge i don't know if it's gonna pay off today mm -hmm. maybe in a month maybe in two months maybe in six months but the point is like if you can follow the same set of principles with everything and ignore the dumb stuff you see on instagram I hate to say it, but it's like patience trumps everything. The guy that can do the thing patiently for the longest is typically going to be successful because like there is no fucking get rich quick anything. There's no get strong quick anything like let's take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors Whitmer Rejuvenation Clinic we talk a lot on this podcast about TRT all of the things involving exogenous hormones and because of that we get a lot of questions about it and we are not experts in this sense if you want to speak to real experts because we don't feel comfortable giving any sort of opinion on this speak to Whitmer Rejuvenation Clinic these guys are the best they're legitimate doctors they're not going to push any BS on you they're going to do a legitimate consult and tell you if you're a good candidate or not all of the links to this are in the show notes as well as their Instagram handle. Check them out, and I promise you're gonna have the best service possible in this space. Yeah, sure. You could take a bunch of steroids and you will temporarily be very strong. And then when you stop doing it, there's a good chance you won't. And like you could do an extreme diet and like mm -hmm. drop some water weight, whatever. Cause like I, you know, I talked to other people there. Like one of the guys we were talking to lost a lot of weight on this diet, which like I know that like the principle is basically just like buy these like bars and shakes and like it's one of these like fad things and it's kind of like a pyramid scheme type stuff. But like mm -hmm. I could tell and like nicest dude ever, super cool. But like he did the same diet some people I know did, my family. And it's like the body composition doesn't end up changing very well. They're just losing body fat without building muscle mass. And it's like. I try to have that conversation with people. It's so hard for me to talk to people about this stuff because it's like you need to sit for an hour and you need to ask like, are you willing to go to the gym three or four days a week? Are you willing to just move more? And it's as simple as going on a walk. Like I'm lucky I live in an area I can walk out my door. I'll go walk around the block. I'll walk around the block. <laughs> Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, sometimes longer walks than others. Sometimes I should take a longer walk. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll, you know, but like those are the lifestyle changes. It's like as simple as like if you live in an apartment. I'm like I'll tell my, my one of my cousins was like, man, I want to lose this little bit of body fat. I'm like, you live next to the nicest beach on the planet. Yeah, you go downstairs every morning, go walk up and down the boardwalk, and come back. And then when you're off work, you go do the same thing. But and it's enjoyable. It's not like torturous. Dude, getting to out, yeah. especially now, right now, like especially if you live down here in Miami, like you know, it's the best time of year. Like we're so like, we sat outside for an hour and a half today, and it was nice. Yeah, yeah. it's like super nice. Yeah. I think it's very tough for people to make long-lasting lifestyle changes because it's can be scary. Some people, it's much harder structurally, right? Because they have a nine to five. Yeah. That means you have to wake up earlier and you got to go out on a walk and then. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a lunch break, instead of going out for lunch, like maybe you got to pack your own food. And like that's maybe seen as kind of weird or or maybe you can't afford to go out. Like I don't know how some people view that, but it is a big mental shift. 
Yeah. And like anything, you start to enjoy it. Like I, I enjoy waking up in the morning, rolling out of bed and like going and going for a walk, doing those things. And especially, I mean, we have our phones now. I get that it used to be like you go on a walk and you, but man, if you get a call, if you get an email, you've still got that thing there. And so like, like lifting, right? At first people are like forcing themselves to go in the gym and do a workout. Like anything, you start to enjoy it. And it's like, well, that becomes, becomes part of who you are. And it's like, you enjoy watching the numbers go down. You enjoy, you, you mm -hmm. become as, as dynamic about that as you are about something else. I don't know. And mm -hmm. about how dynamic you used to be about eating donuts or doing, you know, <laughs> yeah, doing fat people sure. things. Ordering a hundred dollars worth of pie. Right, right. Yeah, and when it changes from you getting enjoyment from those things, you know, yeah. like you getting those dopamine hits yeah. from eating a donut to now feeling bad when you do those things. Yeah. And you start just reframing the way you think about everything in your mind. Yeah. yeah. I, I also know like go to have a whole donut. Like, okay, I'll have a quarter. We're like we yeah. did this thing, we cut the donuts into quarters, like Right, like a quarter of a fucking donut put into my fitness pal. Like I had half a donut or something put into my fitness pal. Like you're gonna be okay. Yeah. yeah. It's not about punishing yourself for like little things like that, but it's it's keeping in mind the bigger picture. Yeah. And if you do track your weight, and that, that was again, that was another change I had to make personally. And I know I've heard it before. I know the little sayings, like you know what you can't, what you track, you can change, and, and all that stuff, but. Once I started doing it, I would see, okay, well, you know, if I eat like this and I'm, I eat these number of calories, this amount of protein, this much carbs, like as a big guy, I thought I, I needed more calories. And it was amazing to see that as I took the calories down and my body got used to it, I wasn't craving dirt. Like, cause when you, when I put my, my weight and body weight uh, and height and all that stuff into a, a, a macro app it said like 3,500 calories. And when I started doing that, I wasn't losing weight. I was like really frustrated. I'm like 3,500, people say that's low for my size. Okay, whoa, like what if I eat less? So I, it kept moving it down and moving it down and moving it down. And then I was like 27, 2,800 calories. And I was like, wow, that's low, but I actually feel okay if I like time my food right and I eat carbs, like only like a bowl of oatmeal every night, like 400, 500 calories worth of oatmeal with some like, sometimes some peanut butter if I have enough left over from the day right before bed, like eight or nine o'clock. I don't wake up hungry. I don't wake up like craving stuff. Sorry, last night. <laughs> Nate stayed at the house. I just like tiptoed out and like had some peanut butter, like one little thing of it because I was like starving. <laughs> like I would like, it was the first time in months where like a change rose doing at night because we went out for sushi that night. I'm that, I'm Welcome. sitting on Marcus's couch and I just hear, I hear footsteps. I don't know if it's the dog or what. And then I just hear like Tupperware opening in the kitchen. It's like, oh man. Yeah, I was like, man. Marcus needs a little treat. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I still woke up lighter the next day. Yeah. You yeah. know, because I like stuck to the principles, you know, and even if I deviated a little bit, you know. You mentioned something also uh, like a minute or so ago that I think is really important that people miss. And that's that you, the um, the quantity of things you have like if it is something like a donut or whatever like you don't have to have the whole donut like wh when you're when you think about it it's like having a whole donut versus a quarter of a donut once that thing is inside your body like the utility and the whatever you got from it it's mm. the same 
whether you ate right. a quarter or you ate the whole thing. So it's like, are you just extending the amount of mouth pleasure for like <laughs> an extra 30 seconds? Like how important is that really to you? Is a one bite versus five bites? Like, is that so important that you yeah. need to have the extra four bites? Because if you think about it rationally, like once that's over and you're not tasting it anymore, it's the same thing. So it's like, if you want it, you can have the treat if you have the discipline to have part of it, yeah. you know, and that's thing, something we've always actually talked about in uh, nutrition coaching. It's like, especially when you go out to eat, people always have this mindset, like you need to finish everything that's on your plate. And it's like, you, you really don't, yeah. you know, like there's the argument yeah. for being that's like a scarcity well, mindset, yeah. probably a very primal part of humans. Like, well, if I don't have this, I might not get like any food later at all ever. So I got to stock up as much as possible. It's like. And we're like the well, only, that's why we store body fat right we're the one of the only countries on earth that like you can actively see that kind of undisciplined serving size and eating habit to go along with it because like it's amazing you'll see all these crazy food instagrams of other countries and the type of stuff they eat and the treats that they eat and like the sweets and desserts and stuff and like i've traveled around a lot and it's like i don't see fat people everywhere mm -hmm. anywhere at all except for here. And there's like a couple of countries I've seen fat people, but it's mostly just here. And it's amazing that you go to Italy and you think in America, if you're of that mindset, like pasta, pizza, uh, wine, alcohol, all this stuff bad. But when you get there and you order a plate of pasta or you order a pizza or something, like the serving size is much different. Mm -hmm. They're also walking everywhere. And they're also like not consuming. Like if you have a pizza in Florence, if you go to the right place it's like very simply made the dough is like you know not as gluten heavy it's just very simple cheese and pizza not as much oil and like you go get gelato in italy it's like it's like that big and like as opposed to you go to get ice cream here and you're having a fucking like triple decker like stomach oh fucker sandwich dude the, i Big think difference. one of the worst things that happened to like western society in terms of like eating habits were those self-serve yogurt places because oh, everyone i remember dude. doing it you go oh, yeah, we're going to we're gonna get some froyo you know it's not that bad you go in there the cup is this big but the amount you put in it is like this and then oh. all the toppings you're shoving oreos and gummy bears and it's like dude you just had like a two thousand calorie yogurt. thought about that recently like all those spots disappeared those were the rage 10 oh, years yeah. ago i know i mean and they were good where at they still have them Oh, yeah. yeah. I've been to it. Really? Where is it? You're keeping them alive. There's a bunch scattered everywhere. There's one But there was so many of them yeah, before. Like, they were... You couldn't go to a mall. You couldn't... Like, you can go anywhere without seeing that. George is really killing what we've been talking about now that he's mentioning the yogurt thing and has a mushroom shirt on. <laughs> yeah. <which is> like, <laughs> the magical he's soul the mushroom shirt. But yeah, I mean, your thing of the the first bite you eat of a donut is it like all things, you know, is awesome. Mm -hmm. The second bite is kind of what you're expecting. By by that fourth donut, yeah, you're just like it's not as it's not as great as yeah, tomorrow you you're not going to be like, oh, damn, dude, that extra like minute and a half of mouth pleasure was so much better than if I only had 30 seconds. Yeah, and I, I think <laughs> you, in, in other countries uh, too, and I've heard uh, I heard Lee Labrada talk about this where he was like, man, I will I'll go to dinner and I'll I'll try everything on my plate and then I'll sit there for a minute and like talk to everyone. I'll, I'll have a drink of water, have a drink of wine, do my thing, 
socialize a little bit and then kind of like revisit and maybe have a little bit more have you know kind of prolong that we just like the food comes people stop talking for five ten minutes yeah. gorge themselves with as much as we can for then and then we just like sit there and maybe talk for a little bit and then look back and go i think i can really finish this whole plate and then we oh, go yeah. again you know we go hard again yeah, like, there's always that delay between like satiation <laughs> and like the brain realizing you're satiated. It's like, yeah, if you just wait well, a minute. I've like, actively tried to outrun that. Though. <laughs> right. you know, like, there, maybe it's been periods of my life where it's like, I know I've got this window of time where I'm still going to be hungry. I got to cram as much in there yeah. as I can. Oh, yeah, because then once you're done, you're just like the itis hits you and you're just out. Yeah. Like a <laughs> fucking bear and a tranquilizer, we've, dude. We've had some meals at Burns oh. that uh, mostly I mean, dessert. I like I felt bad about myself after that. There's been a few like dinners I've done with the lads <laughs> where it's just like what's the biggest steak and most amount of dessert you can get and then afterward it's just a competition towards self-hatred. <laughs> like how much am I going to hate myself tonight? Like you don't sleep well. I always say like and you know I found myself actually eating out a lot less now over the past 3 or 4 months and spending so much less money. No, oh, I yeah. used to just go out of laziness, and be like oh, I'm gonna get this thing, and like still order something kind of healthy, but then like eat the whole thing and eat all the little things on the plate, and like go out to dinner and blah 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 blah, and it's like fuck, like I, I it's not productive, and after a while, it's like I've had all the places I've wanted to go eat in my life, I've eaten them, <laughs> right? You know, like there's no, there's not a single restaurant I could think of right now that would increase my 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 happiness by any like serious marginal degree you know mm. i can't think of a single spot that would be worth me going and like going crazy eating and spending all this time and money and effort and thought all this stuff like unless you're with friends like unless it's a special occasion i think eating out should have a place i think it also needs to be modulated I like normal people cause it should be your baseline what that all of your meals are consumed out at a restaurant, you know, like there's a period of time where that's pretty much what I was doing and oh, yeah. also out of laziness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it, it's, it's been a, a blessing actually being in Nova Scotia because they don't even have Uber eats. The, the, oh, yeah. the, like I'm sure in like Halifax they do, but in the small town where my parents place is, So if you want to eat like an ass, you have to get in your car, do the drive of shame to like, <laughs> a mcdonald's yeah order okay. it and bring it back and eat it and it's like it's an hour later and then you're having mcdonald's and it's like <clears throat> and everything's closed fuck. early there too like there uh, is yeah. white there is a mcdonald's that's 24 hours in town but again you have to be super you have to be motivated enough to leave if it's like two in the morning i'm not getting out of bed to go to mcdonald's you know but if i was having trouble sleeping here you know and i was like kind of hungry you might hop on and order something on uber eats in the middle of the night and you're like you could do without that. <laughs> is, it, sorry, go ahead. In Nova Scotia, is the like the sunrise and sun fall like so? It's summer now. Is it like you all have really long days there? Um, it it definitely the days are significantly longer in the in the summer than the winter. Okay, yeah. yeah. The the winter, um, just anywhere that is a four season climate can get pretty depressing like that was something growing up in school that was really unpleasant like getting up before the sun is up and it's really cold yeah it's like you're getting to school and the sun's come just like you know it's still not 
bright out. Yeah. Like that is, that's pretty miserable. And then also like seeing the sun go down at like 5 PM. Yeah. That's also depressing. It's like, you just feel like you have such a short little window to the same in Toronto in the winter. Yeah. Yeah. We're Toronto. It's like, it's kind of a roll of the dice every year. Like there's years we basically get no snow and there's years where we get like completely dumped on. We had when I was a kid. We had us. It's called. It was called Snowmageddon. Oh, it was whoa. like the the the. I think it was the the mayor or some politician that called in the army to come and like help remove all the snow and yeah. stuff. And yeah, they get he guy still gets made fun of to this day because uh, he like way overreacted. But I remember being like there being snow hills everywhere. Like yeah. you walk out your front door, people were making forts in them. It was that's like, cool. It was cool, but the the period of time is the only part that's that's really depressing about that. Yeah, you know, going to going to or like waking up in the dark, walking home in the dark. Oh, yeah. that sucks. I was just thinking this a second ago, but like real meta here, mm-hmm. like the ability over the last ten years to achieve instant gratification is kind of warped society in a weird way. Well, look how. Look at the mental health issues now versus before we had that. But we were just talking about this. Like, I, th- I thought about it because we were talking about Uber Eats. And it's like, even 10 years ago, if you wanted to, like, get something that was just kind of slightly inconvenient, like, there was a mental barrier to go do it. And then physical and time because you had to go drive there physically to spend time, come back, spend the money, blah, 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 blah. With Uber Eats, it's like you could scroll through and that's just like two clicks of the of the side button and you Apple Pay and then mm-hmm. you forget about it. 40 minutes later, your thing's there, right? That's a weird kind of like instant gratification trip that didn't exist before. And then we were talking about it on Instagram. And like if you scroll through Instagram, guys... There's a weird like little like horizontal pop up section that comes up every like 10 or 30 or whatever. You guys could see it as like uh, the posts that you see, people you follow or whatever. Whores. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just be like whores. <laughs> I'm not saying that to be sexist, but it's like they're literally just advertising for OnlyFans and it's like basically nudity. Right. And it always trips me out and I'm like. You would never see this if you were like you might see it driving around Miami because like Miami is Miami, but in most normal places like if you go outside of Miami, you go up to like Broward or Palm Beach even, and you just walk around the street, it's like all right, not a lot of whores walking around, <laughs> but like and it's not just whores, it's like couples that are weirdly advertising their OnlyFans, but like you scroll through Instagram and it's just like constant butt cheeks and nudity and weird stuff and like, like wait a second, what, what this is just. Uh, it's like a porn advertisement vehicle like pretty really accessible yeah which like i'm not making a value judgment on that but if you think about it in terms of all the other things that we can get instant gratification from piggybacking on this whole patience theme of like fitness and dieting and like business success and all that other shit like it is a weird warping of our ability to have self-control on like a very broad level because before you had to like you wanted to see a girl's butt. You wanted to like, you know, you get laid or something. Really hard. You put in that work. You yeah. had to go on a date, or like right. at least like put in conversation. Like that's kind of the human thing, right? And now it's 
I've not been on like Insta or uh, what, what Tinder and Bumble Hinge. and Hinge. Nate's the only oh, single sorry. one here, so he knows what's up out there. But all the dating apps were like sex is basically commoditized by swiping mm-hmm. or relationships or however you want to view it. But when you look at Instagram or I'm sure TikTok, I've never been on TikTok, but it's just right. Like you can scroll like, oh shit, like I follow a raccoon. Like this raccoon's fat. He's fucking cute. Follow a dachshund. <laughs> yeah. I've tried to just unfollow humans and follow more animals. That's my thing. But <laughs> now like in between all that, I'm like, oh sick, fat Japanese raccoon. Like there's a puma in Russia I follow. Like some power lifters <laughs> still. And like my friends, all six of them that I have left. And then like, there's just a row of, only fans whores right here I'm like what? I, I think to myself i had like zzz, zzz. Dude, i don't i think that it's it's a weird shift specifically with um how liberal we've come become around like sex as a whole in society i think it's really bad like i've uh like the amount of people that have porn addictions and like the way that uh works with your brain similarly to any other type of addiction it's like it's one that you can basically get away with without the shame of everybody knowing right if you have a drug problem it's probably going to start you know hmm. representing itself the, by the way you look by the way you're behaving in person but a lot of these people are like you know they're they're paying for these only fan services which is that's corny you know and it's it's the paying part's weird because like first of all there's nothing wrong with watching porn like you know mm-hmm. and <laughs> addiction is another thing but there's like a whole subsect of people out there that like they'll pay to talk to the girls and they it's like pay per word or something, do right? You know that, do you know that like uh, like Larry Wheels was? Can I say this on here? Oh, Larry yeah. Wheels. He was like, open about it because he was yeah he was open about it and he came out where he was like I've been I've been spending just exorbitant amounts of money. He was broke on yeah, yeah all of on his money. OnlyFans or whatever it was, OnlyFans porn pay per whatever like mm-hmm. addictions. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's happened faster than our the the acceleration of the technology has happened faster than our evolution of our brains can like catch up to. Right. And so I, I think some I think it was Jordan Peterson said, like, any any 12 year old boy now can see more naked women than the richest king ever yeah. in the, you know, whatever could see in his entire wow, lifetime. That's, that's you pretty can, true. You can see in, in 20 minutes online. And so it's like. Yeah, we're not we're not made to be able to take in this. And yeah, it's like if I wanted to see if I wanted to see a model naked prior to all this, I would have to be putting in the work to become whether it's successful or given be able to manipulate enough people to think that I'm successful mm-hmm. to which is work nonetheless. Right. right. Uh, to to convince yeah, these women to show me their naked bodies right (laughs) but we it's what i find really interesting is like the sort of liberalization of all this stuff started with just people not like it becoming not okay to kink shame people right it was like whatever you're into like that's on you it doesn't like doesn't make you a good or bad person that's fine right and then it became to the uh you know it started becoming the acceptance of porn and the removal of shame from that and then from there it became not only the acceptance but then for some reason the celebration of it Hmm. the it has it's become like we're teaching uh you know women that it's empowering to do it and you know it, it went from accepting just people consuming it to now 
people uh being celebrated for participating in it yeah. to like a whole other level mm-hmm. so it's like the whole industry is like we're kind of being told that it's something that we can and should consume be a part of create and it's like it's it's just too in your face now all the yeah. time you know like i don't personally i don't think there's if, you, if you're in that industry i don't think it makes you some bad person like okay. if you're there's porn stars right like yeah. There's tons of them. They're famous. They got award shows. They got an industry. They have testing. There's safety. The whole thing that goes behind it. I'm sure they have their own problems, but the weird gray area. And it's like, I think we're running on 10,000 year old hardware. Yeah. Our fucking reptile brains that, yeah. that have made it into the 21st century. And then we're injecting like 21st century software consuming all of this stuff it's like it's like taking an original fucking mac computer from the 1980s all of a sudden loading like you know mac os 11 onto it and thinking it's going to be okay and now sure there, there's only fans and there's a proliferation and i know it's way more concentrated here than probably anywhere else in the world it's like you'll go to some places here and like you can just pick them out bump 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 because like i'll see it on instagram and I'm always curious, right? So if I see that weird stuff come up, I'll look, I'll look at the bio because I want to see like what percentage of these people like have like a fucking link right there. Like here's the mm-hmm. goods or some spicy it's content or something. And it's content. like, I was kind of shocked once I started doing it, to see the number of people out of whatever hundreds, mm-hmm. you know, would have a link in their bio to some OnlyFans thing. And it was like, wow, like there's a, there's a ton of people i think my issue the the most and people some people get upset when you say this but i do think it is very predatory in that you buy you didn't seek that out right like if 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 you're just scrolling through instagram right and then you all of a sudden there's boobs in your face like that you're going to have a reaction to that that's involuntary you're like it is going to trigger trigger your lizard brain right and you're going to feel a certain way about it and if you're somebody who doesn't have discipline or you're somebody who has an addictive personality and you're doing what you're doing except for because you're actually trying to go to their only fans it's like you could have all the best intention in the world you're following all scholars on social media then all of a sudden boom you see that go to the profile link in bio you've just spent money and now you are signed up for a subscription yeah. you know and it's like that that to me that feels predatory mm. Well, it's weird the way that the social media algorithms at large, I don't understand it that well, but obviously it's like pretty well targeted, right? Because like we're getting bombarded with this stuff as men. And I'm, you know, I've heard the argument from the female point of view where it's like, well, you know, you wouldn't see that if you weren't interested in it type thing. Like, and I've seen that like online, people say it. Mm -hmm. Nobody's ever said that to me in person or anything. But when you think about it, it's like, social media uh, algorithms have been created to keep engagement up right like that's their specific goal they're very explicit about they want users to spend more time on the platform and like we probably all spend too much time on instagram but the more you look at instagram there's so many so many cute raccoons and cool powerlifting videos you can look at and then your attention can drift or like you're not looking at stuff maybe you don't get as engaged but like if you target the deep desires of somebody's brain man or woman you know, maybe women, it's like shopping bags or like, like beauty stuff or mm-hmm. other things that capture their attention. And men are maybe a little bit different. And you start to see the things that get targeted toward men. Like you go look at your explore page and I know mine, it's like watches and 
you know, other cool like uh, airline travel videos, which I like. And then mm-hmm. like, it's not like I'm going on actively seeking these half naked women showing up on my Instagram. Like I don't follow any of them. I don't engage with any of them. It's like I'm DMing or liking any of them or any of that stuff. And it's like, still there it's like that weird little like horizontal section yeah, and the explore page it's like what the fuck you can like, click not interested a hundred times and then it'll just be like, are you, like are you sure though yeah it's like here's here's some more you're images sure just in case. there's boobies <laughs> you sure about that we're just gonna slip it back in here <laughs> yeah and then you'll go down that rabbit hole again and all of a sudden the next little fucking horizontal slider is coming up and it's got boobies again and this is actually perfect because speaking of these predatory type situations, there is a big one that happened uh, just recently. And what's been going on for the last two years, I saved it for the podcast because I wanted to get your guys' honest reactions to it. <clears throat> this guy was a star uh, pitcher for the Dodgers. This woman accused him two years ago of uh, sexual assault and he was subsequently dropped by oh, wow, the team. Really? Um, mm-hmm. He was sanctioned Look by... Look at this. <laughs> Look at this. Use this there you go. Right, right there. Right there. It's like boobies. We're, we're trying... Right. We're, you know, it's an ad we're for... We're trying it. to get away from the boobies. <laughs> we're trying to talk about this is a problem and they're there again. But... God damn it, um, <laughs> He was fined, I believe, by the MLB and he is now playing uh, overseas in Japan because no team will touch him. And finally... Uh, they were able through the discovery process uh, to find that she had deleted all of these text messages um, where she had planned this out. She found him. She found his net worth of uh, $51 million and there's texts back and forth to several of her friends of her outlining how she is going to actively start a relationship with this guy, accuse him of sexual assault and get a payday from it oh so he if God. you go up just a bit george we don't have to oh. watch this whole thing but this is him two years later he's like i can finally speak about this oh so they proved it they no. proved it through that they were able to recover the text messages forensically Oh my God. This is him. This is him. Yeah. So he couldn't speak about it. So will you pause it for a sec, George? Um, she. Oh my God. Yeah. They have all that in writing. All of it in writing. Um, there, well, we can fast forward in a sec to the part where she's in bed beside him. He's right there. Look at this. So she's texting a friend at this point about how her, the plan is, it, how it's going according to plan. Look at this, the face that she makes here. It's pretty disgusting. She's just. Hands out. Trevor Bauer is the guy, right? Yeah. That, okay. Yeah. Um, what ended up happening was. Uh, they had repeatedly over these two years um, pressured him to settle 
and just pay her out so he could move on with his life. He refused to, to do that, but he couldn't talk about it. So he couldn't really defend himself in the court of public opinion at all. And then um, he was really adamant about her not getting a dime, you know, for this type of behavior. Um, and finally, it got to the point where they settled that both of them were going to he, – because he countersued her. They both dropped their suits. Um, but the condition was that he maintained his ability to speak publicly about it. Wow. So his whole thing was he wanted to be able to make this this video and clear his name. Look, look at her. So I, obviously, this is a whole different animal. This is extremely predatory, but... I think that wow. if you are found to be lying about something like this, like that, that woman, that's a broken person for sure. That person should be behind bars for the rest of their life because luckily this guy had the resources to, to fight it. You know, luckily he did get a job playing baseball again, albeit in Japan rather than the MLB. But, you know, this guy's life was ruined. You know, oh it, my god, dude, this is. I mean, it's amazing that they were able to get all of this through discovery, and like prove it in the in, in public. And obviously, like this guy was pretty smart. He knew that he didn't do anything, and I guess his lawyers were also smart enough. What did Bill Burr say? That's. Can you play that? <laughs> I love Bill Burr. Okay, when, when, when they're not listening to women at all. To just, to just this total overcorrection that anything, that anything they fucking say. said means it happens, you know? They got these hashtags like, you know, believe women. Believe women, right? That's a little open-ended, huh? <laughs> Straight across the fucking board, all of them, every last fucking one of them. What about the psychos? <laughs> <laughs> you have to key your car and light your shit on fire because you didn't, you didn't fucking answer a text. What about them? How about you believe like 88% and that last 12% that's out of their fucking mind? You know, that's a fair percentage, wouldn't you? You know, that's what he is the fucking king of uh, this like i don't even know what to call it but but it's like I guess reality, right? Like he mm -hmm. he does comedy so well and like kind of pushes back against this bullshit. Mm -hmm. Doesn't entertain any of it. I know. He's a I don't know how he skated through that, especially as a, a white man. You know, it's well, pretty tough. He does have a, a black wife. Who is hilarious. If you ever listen to his podcast, she just comes on all the time. Dude, my wife, <laughs> always fucking listening to Bill Burr. <laughs> all around the house. Never yeah, listening to a Marcus Leone podcast, but she listens to Bill Burr. <laughs> never, never. She doesn't want to hear me. She listens to Bill Burr just ranting. I just hear Bill Burr's Boston accent in the house. Like, whenever you have so good. his podcast on, Neela will come on sometimes. Just like... Just fucking roast them. But they tried to get her at one point when when he had a a bit, and they tried to get him for being racist. And he was, you know, obviously like well, my wife's black. And they're like, well, just having an indentured sex slave wife <laughs> who's black doesn't exempt you from racism. It's like the like, well, I've yeah. got black friends, and it's like, 
oh, every, everyone who says they've got, it's like, well, okay, but if you have a black wife, like, you're probably, probably not racist. Probably not the worst of the worst. You're probably not well, racist. Probably if all of your friends are black, it's a good <laughs> indication that you're not racist as well, right? Right. It's like, just because the argument is good and people who are not racist <laughs> use it doesn't mean you just get to eliminate it. Right. It's like, hey, too many of you guys are, yeah. you know. Are oh using God. this good <laughs> argument. <laughs> yeah, so now it doesn't count. Yeah. But, uh yeah, pr that was to me shocking because, you know, you hear about this all the time. We, we know and assume that this goes on, yeah. that, you know, some women are predatory and they intentionally take advantage of men with money for money. But to have it so like cut and dry, the plan, the, the videos, all this stuff, like. Very damning. Did you see what happened with Dave Portnoy just recently before his. Uh, yeah. Speaking of predatory. Uh, he, so he was hosting this big pizza festival, right? Like to help mm -hmm. support, I, there was some charitable component to it as well, but he was hosting this thing that was like a big pizza fest. And like, he was having a ton of like helping local businesses. And like, people don't realize this. They think this guy's just some racist, sexist piece of shit. Like they gave away tons of money during COVID to help small businesses, like, mm -hmm. like lots and lots of money. So he was doing this thing recently where they were going to do a big pizza thing and they, they they were going to host it and they did host it. But before the Washington Post came out with this, like they were researching some crazy hit piece on him and like calling up a bunch of people asking about how he's sexist. And they were they were leading them. So like yeah. they, they were no, they were emailing yeah. um, the sponsors of the event. Yeah. yeah and yeah, they were yeah, right. they were saying. Well, uh, we're just getting trying to get uh, the opinions of some people, uh, you know, who are involved with this event, um, you know, with all the things going around about Dave Portnoy and the accusations of, uh, you know, racism and sexism and all X, Y, Z. Like, we just wanted yeah. to get your comment on like why you would still choose to work with this person. And it they had just made it up like there was no. Those allegations had not existed. They were just like everyone saying, yeah. "Trust me, everyone knows it." That was the that was the tone of the yeah. whole thing. Was, yeah. And uh, one of the sponsors forwarded him the email uh, from the girl, so he called her up and was like, "Hey, uh, I'm just wondering, um, you know, why this is happening, and if you want my my opinion on it, I'll I'll." I'm happy to speak. Yeah. And she was trying to deny. And he's like, well, no, I actually have the email right here. Here's your name. You know, blah, blah, blah. Like she's like, well, I was meaning to call you next. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Like, well, I think the real the real thing is there are women beaters and racists mm -hmm. and sexists out there. And so it that's who it hurts is, you know, just as much as the the men who these false allegations are brought towards is the women with real claims that we now have to be like, well, are you just another one of these false accusers or do you have actual things that happened to you that you're bringing to the public eye mm -hmm. uh, to, to warn about these these abusers and these, yeah. you know, and, and in a way protects also the people who are really doing these negative things yeah. because they get some shelter from it because of that doubt that is now put out there for like all the, you know, all, uh, all the people who for all this time have been saying this is going on, yeah. you know, and it's like with the, with the Portnoy thing, uh, too, it's scary to see like a mainstream publication like the Washington post do that. And when he called her on it, on the phone, she actually admitted it. She said, something to the effect of sometimes we need to 
pretend like something negative or nefarious is going on because that's how we get people to speak to us and comment, right? Uh-huh. So a lot of people otherwise would just be like, you know, if you just called them up and said, what do you think of Dave Portnoy? Like, there's no story there. Right. You know, you're already working with them. They're just trying to get something salacious. So you put this plant, this thing in their minds and it's like, damn, the Washington Post, like, who can you trust? Yeah. You know? Well, that's a, there's a big movement out there of people. And you hear this when you just talk to random people on the street, friends of yours, whatever. And like, there's a there's a common kind of theme now. People don't trust the, the quote unquote mainstream media. Mm-hmm. And there's a political component to that. And then there's probably a real component to that, too. That's like, you know, it is it is tough because there's not the same level of journalistic standard in play today as there was 15, 20, 30 years ago, maybe 10 years ago. Like, yeah. I don't remember this going on 10 years ago. It wasn't the same thing. Like people were outraged during the Obama days because the guy wore a tan suit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like there wasn't the same level of like chronic misrepresentation. I guess. Yeah. Just not misrepresentation so much, but there's a mistrust in like where we get information from. And like now if somebody uses this, this platform of, of uh, you know, trying to go after somebody's livelihood or, you know, trying to go after somebody's money and they have this whole scheme concocted and they're concealing it and suing them. Me, the Me Too movement was really interesting because it exposed a lot of really disgusting motherfuckers out there. Like talking Epstein, we're talking Jeffrey or Harvey Weinstein. We're talking a bunch of people in Hollywood, Kevin Spacey, like. Whoa. He said a heart attack, by the way. Did you see that? I know. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. And it used to be that if you were somebody who was like, oh, the media, the government, you know, it's you're like you're, you're a crazy person, right. right? Yeah. But it's just been proven too many times. And it is that boy who cried wolf scenario you're just talking about. Yeah. And it's scary. And I think a lot of it, too, is like we the news, the news, the newspaper used to come out once a week, a couple of times. And it was just very like now we have all these websites all these publications the washington post that that need content and so when there's not something there they're trying to drum up some story that isn't there you know just to get to get the clicks to get the ad money to get you know whatever it is to get people interested um the 24-hour news cycle is so bad for us once again just like the it's it's moved faster than our you know lizard brains can can take or whatever and so it's just we're bombarded with this all the time of just going you know oh what is this oh click 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 we're always on our phones we're always looking for the next thing oh did, is there any news on this is there any news on this and so you know we've, we've the, uh, created the market for it the stories the really salacious ones they get so much attention it damages the person's reputation and then the retraction if they do one yeah no one cares about or cares. So it's like the damage is done. And once it's done, there's not really any way, way to totally fix it as yeah. if it had not happened. Yeah, especially when you're not someone like, you know, Trevor Bauer, Dave Portnoy, you don't have a platform, you don't have this. And so at least, you know, someone with a million Instagram followers can come out and say, hey, this is what happened. And it wasn't true. Right. Whereas, you know, some of these people aren't fortunate enough to have that platform to to dispel these things yeah even if you were just like a wealthy person who didn't have a social media following like that'd be really problematic yeah Yeah, you end up getting like drawn out and and 
legal battles and fucking all sorts of horrible things. Yeah. Um, on a lighter note. Yeah. Let's go. Um, well, it depends who you are, I guess, if it's lighter or not. But um, the Dylan Dennis uh, Logan Paul fight. He says he's still fighting. I just looked. You did? He says he's still going to be there. Huh. I wonder why he said that. Just to, just so we're talking about I don't it. No. It's the least interesting <laughs> fight coming up. What? I find it so interesting. We have. Uh, hello. Can we pull up? All right. Let's pull up. We have to do this. Pull up UFC. The next cards. It's actually a really good fight night this weekend. I'm not worried about this weekend. I'm worried about next weekend. I'm on edge. I'm worried. What's the, what, which one is it? We'll, you'll see. Mm. I'm not so interested. Just, just type uh, you in. The, there we go. Sorry, not next weekend. Really? We, oh, man. There we go. That, 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 no, we don't care if about If you type that. UFC schedule, it should come up. UFC 294. That's what I'm worried about. That's Ooh. what's on my mind. I would love we to see two uh, great Charles fights. win. Two great fights. Man, he's he's an underdog. Oh, I forgot about Paulo Costa and Shemaev. Dude's been out for a year. Both of these guys been out for a year. Johnny Walker's kind of like making his way back. He had I know. Had Brazil versus Russia, baby. Wow. You um, see Shemaev changed his nationality from Sweden, where he was been training, living, working, all that stuff for the last forever to UAE. Wow. I guess he moved, but... Dude, Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev coming up. I'm on edge. I heard um, that. I heard that. Um, you know the support for all the Russian fighters, and why they've been bringing them into the UFC more than ever is because they're really trying to tap into the um, Middle East, and those Russian fighters, for the most part, are Muslim. So mm, even though it's not like their guy, but that's a very specific part of Russia. Right, but which but, it's interesting. Yeah, but, yeah, I know what you're saying. Do you think that's the only place that has good fighters? Is the places that where they're all Muslim and have no mustaches? It's like they're bringing them in <laughs> in like huge huge amounts so for for a reason. Prior to that, I saw a thing where Dana White was kind of talking on. He's uh, like, "Well, if we brought if we brought in straight all of the best all of the best fighters in the world, such a large portion of them would be from Russia." And then everyone else would stop caring because they wouldn't have like a dog in the fight. So it kind of helps the UFC to have, you know, to have a Brazilian fighter, to have someone from, you know, so everyone has someone to kind of like cheer for instead of. Do you guys know who the scariest person in the heavyweight division is? In the heavy? Sean Jones. Well, beside John Jones, well, John Jones is probably the scariest person, but the second scariest, I think his name is Sergei Pavlovich. Oh, yeah. He's one of the top contenders. And, like, honestly, he should be fighting John Jones next because he is a fucking. There was such funny uh, content around him the last time he was fighting in Las Vegas, where, like, it was like the day of the fight. He was, like, at a slot machine. And then he goes and <laughs> oh, just yeah. absolutely. I forgot who he fought. Can you pull him up? I want to see. I can't remember who he fought last, but there's such good memes around him. Yeah, I think it's Sergey. They crack me up because, like, he, MMA has Pavlovich. has turned so much more into a sport. Mm-hmm. At, at one point, it was like a street guy, fight, right? Right. That's what was like really entertaining about it in the beginning. I know. I feel yeah. like some of these Russian fighters, so handsome, they man. still treat it like just fighting and less like a sport. You know, like you look at like Fedor, oh, some of these guys. Yeah. It's like the guys look, you know, they're they're drinking, they're smoking. <laughs> Blades, tied you know, to Avasa, Derek Lewis. Yeah, that's a good Dude, resume. He. <laughs> Honestly, I think he's the one that should be fighting John Jones. I get why the UFC didn't choose that or offer that fight. 
But of all of the heavyweights, like obviously Cyril Gaon's not going to get it done. Like Francis Ngannou's out. This guy is a freak yeah. of nature. I, I don't think John terror. Jones is afraid to fight anybody by no. any means. But I think if if I were to put myself in his shoes and I'm like, I've only got a couple fights left on my on my contract. I'm probably going to retire soon. Who would I rather fight? This guy or like Steve oh, yeah. who's got, you know, name power. He's like 40. He's getting a little older. He's probably going to retire as well. You know, he was the best at once, like at one point. So it's like he can fight this guy and it'll be an easier fight and he's going to get just as much recognition for doing it. Like, why would you risk it in the. Oh, no, I get it. I get it. hundred percent. You know, but another Russian is just an absolute monster of a human being. Yeah. Looks just like you, Nate. Just <laughs> the Russians f- are the scariest people on earth, I think. Just the lack of mm. emotion and they're unconquerable, you know, too. Yeah. Nobody's ever done it. They're tough. They're very tough people. Very tough. I mean, if you grow up in a place like that, and especially people now, like if you're 30 fighting in the UFC, that means you were growing up pretty close to post-Soviet Russia. You were born as the Soviet Union collapsed, which means you grew up in a place that was like uh, a disaster, basically. Yeah. You know, you hear all the ex or Russian satellite territory type fighters like uh, Valentina Shevchenko talk about it and mm-hmm. other people that came out of the that area and like the Chechnya is pretty crazy too it's amazing so many people have come out of there strong is like that place has been a fucking war zone forever i know what i mean i guess they're hard places to grow up it creates hard people you yeah. know same with brazil you yeah. grow up in brazil like unless you're the one 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 percent you know paulo costa still lives in the same neighborhood that he grew up in like really? he, he, yeah he did an interview with ariel Hawani and he's like you know kind of in a dump yeah <laughs> and really? uh, yeah and he shows outside he goes yeah this is where i live like i feel you know i don't i don't want to change i want to like try to make the place here better through mm. through my influence but i don't want to be one of those people who like like what most do gain some level of success and then abandon everyone they you know, grew up with yeah so he like lives with his mom i'm pretty sure you know and this Makachev, little... or not Makachev, charles Oliveira. if you like see the place that dude trains still probably the same place he's trained forever but it's like not a dump <laughs> no <laughs> doesn't look like it's in a great area of town either no it looks like <laughs> oh so it's like a dope place in a bad i mean it looks like area. but it's like kind of an open air like training environment mm. but it's in what seems to me to be not a great part of town right you know if you've ever talked to brazilians and we've had several on the podcast we talk about brazil like <laughs> they don't always speak about it in the kindest terms in terms of safety you know there's yeah. a lot of like weird stuff that goes on there and a lot of unsafe environments like if you can stay there and train and like just like thrive in that environment that's pretty epic there's something to be said about that, not even just being hardened and like being a good fighter, but sports in general. It's a lot of people's ticket yeah. out of places like that. Mm. And so I think that's why you see so many good like like Bruno, who is he's a Brazilian uh, Olympian. We had him on the podcast. He was a swimmer. Oh, yeah. His stories were insane. Yeah. He was like that was pretty much his motivation was like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. So now he lives here. I mean, I get that. And there's still a lot of people that do want to leave. It's like. I, there's something to be said starting a family you know having them in a safe environment like you don't want to put your family necessarily in like the bad part of town on purpose but mm-hmm. you know if you can figure a way through it 
uh, not not get so uh, attached. I don't know. Stay in a safer place, basically. You know, if you can yeah. figure that out, like I guess there's something really cool to be said about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I know you're more stoked about this UFC card than the Logan Paul Dylan Danis one, but I do. <sighs> want to touch on it because uh, i want to hear what you what you think what your guys opinions are on the are you up to date like you know what's going Dylan on Dennison, yeah, yeah so he's being sued uh for defamation i think the main claim is because he said on uh in a tweet like he alluded to the fact that she uh nina agdahl has aids <laughs> because of all the sexual partners she's had or whatever and that's kind of like the key point that they're using to say like he said something negative untrue. and defamatory that's not true and that she was actually effective in getting a restraining order oh which so that's done and uh you is know is he still posting about her he yeah he was up until the point that, that what i was saying why i thought he was pulling out of the fight was because he literally just said logan paul doesn't deserve me in this fight basically he's been the only one selling it the reason why anyone cares is because of him you know the main event is uh, it's a, like they're, they're the co-main, but the actual big fight was Tommy Fury and KSI, and no one cares about that fight anymore. It's all this because Dylan Dennis has just been just on, hammering on, him constantly, nonstop. You know, so he said, and I don't know if this is true or not, but whether or not it it is, it's close enough to the truth. He said nobody's ever in the build-up to a fight sued their yeah. opponent because of like it's supposed to be anything goes. We're like we're about to get right. in a fight right. yeah, it's like we're not supposed to be nice to each other like you're supposed to say wild stuff yeah do you think he pulls logan aside and goes hey man this was the what the fuck are you doing like this is this was the deal we were selling the this fight. is why you got me right here's the thing though if somebody was if you got if you're fighting yeah if i'm fighting you yeah you're fair game sure i feel like there uh, is a yeah. line in the sand that's like if you bring somebody's family into it yeah no matter how much i don't know i don't know i've never even heard of that girl until this fight but apparently she sucks according to dylan danis i don't know if that's true right. she sucked a lot <laughs> <laughs> good point hey, according to dylan danis <laughs> there's a lot of photographs to prove it but i think there's i don't know i mean like i, yeah. I think it's fun yeah. For him to do that, like, good. You talk shit about the guy, but I personally, like, I'd probably be pissed too if you were talking about my wife. Like, I'd but what's what would be the best form as a fighter? The best form of recourse I can think of is that you then get to go and handle it yourself and by win. beating the crap out of this yeah. guy. It's like you're gonna sue him. It's like this. He doesn't. You know, I'm sure he has. But Logan Paul's so easy to fucking like. Right. Talk. He, he has an right. infinite amount of shit on his resume that you could go after. Mm -hmm. Why the wife? You know, even if she sucks, even if she was fucking top porn star and you could post all of it and all that stuff, like, I don't, I don't get it, I guess. Like, I get it for selling the fight. I don't think that it's appropriate to go after wife and kids because, like. But there's one thing to say that it's in bad taste and that can it affect is the taste. way that, that you see that person. But, like, he's a heel. That's what he's supposed to be. And the Paul brothers were the ones who kind of actually sent it down that path because um several things for first of all they've got a real bad track record right like logan mm -hmm. paul slept with jake paul's ex-girlfriend yeah that was the thing about that yeah and uh so already that's a problem but he was the one who started 
talking about Jake Paul's uh, Jake Paul sleeping with Dylan Dennis's ex, calling his mother a prostitute. Like uh, he was oh, there's he, some details I didn't know. Yeah, about. he he kind of started it. It just Dylan Did Dennis. He? Was, yeah, Dylan Dennis wow, was just like, well, okay. if we're gonna go this way. He called his mother a prostitute. Yeah, he's and I don't know if it's true or not, but he has been stating that it is true that she was a prostitute going like when he was growing up oh well i mean listen if you cross the bridge the bridge is open <laughs> yeah, that's right. if that's the case like bro fair game like you talked about my mother yeah i think in a, your in wife's a, pretty much on the table i think i think all in i think taste. mom's uh, the mother's even uh far like far i think that's worse speaking about a significant other yeah i think that's worse i will say kind of credit to logan and i don't know what you say but he is almost in kind of like a nerdy way. He has just been like, don't talk about my beautiful fiance like that. You know, like he, I don't know if there's anything to say. Do you think this, do you think him filing a lawsuit and fighting somewhere else, someone else and Dylan Dennis not getting the money for the fight was just his move to be like, well, this is the only way I really win is mm -hmm. to take the money from you that you might have gotten from the fight. What, what I actually heard was an almost the opposite oh. theory okay uh, not i don't know which one's true or sure, whatever sure. but we're just speculating um someone was saying that this might actually be a ta uh, tactic by logan paul to ensure that he doesn't pull out of the fight because he needs the money from the fight oh. so if they just slap this lawsuit on him and he has to go because he's going to get sued either way yeah he needs the money to fight that lawsuit and then they might just pull the lawsuit once the fight happens was he going to pull out of the fight did it look like he has a history of doing that. Uh -oh. He's done that several times before, so people were concerned. I'd kind of love it, though. There'd be nothing better than seeing Platinum Mike Perry fight <laughs> Logan Paul. Could you imagine? Why would why would you, as Logan Paul, even make that a possibility? Why would you want to fight Mike Perry, the face of bare-knuckle boxing? That guy is a fucking <laughs> murderer. Yeah. I mean, if he, he went from being good in the UFC to being the best in bare-knuckle, like... You don't want to fight him either. No. I don't care what the height difference is. Like isn't no. bare knuckle. They're doing where you can like you can like soccer kick people's heads that, off. Uh that's one FC oh, okay. to do that. Bare knuckle is is it's just, just boxing. boxing. Oh, okay. Boxing yeah. and then the only thing that's a little bit different is they can clinch like um in Muay Thai. So you can like grab the guy's head and punch. Oh, You're not allowed okay. to do that in, in box in traditional boxing. Okay. Yeah. I still think this whole celebrity boxing thing is like lame played i just don't i think it's I, I think boxing in and of itself is ridiculous mm -hmm. I, I don't dislike it i just think it's it's too confusing and it's such a crazy show unless i'm watching canelo or something like yeah i don't know enough about it. i don't follow it it's very hard to follow for an average person at least with like ufc there's structure there's rules there's like and the best guys actually honor, fight some, each other all There's the some time. honor among thieves, right? Like they, yeah. they have an organization. There's a tough guy kind of like keeping people in check. There's a whole like system in place. You can bitch about the money, whatever. But like for the average person, it's way more compelling to keep track of, watch. You know, there's champs. You know, people that are coming up against them. In boxing, it's like, oh, Canelo fought this weekend and won $50 million. Like good like for him. It's the like, guy no one's heard of prior to this who was two weight classes lighter and had to like try to bulk up to. Did he? Yeah. Right. So it's like I just know that Canelo Alvarez won fifty million dollars. Like that's fucking nuts. And there are three in boxing. There are three like major organizations. Is that correct? 
Uh, there's more and more now because of the um, influencer stuff going on. Okay. Like KSI, like Misfits, the that promotion mm-hmm. is run by KSI. That's his thing. But okay. in terms of like the belts, if you want to be like the right. unified world champion, right. yeah, there's three big ones that people respect the and, most. And UFC, it's like there's UFC and there's everyone else where it's like yeah. whatever, right? Like yeah. uh, Bellator or whatever, but – yeah. Whereas in boxing, it's like, oh, I thought he already was the champion. Oh, it's of some other, you know. And that's the problem is those guys, if you know, if, if more so the promotions, um, mm. because the U- UFC is like the promotion and the the belt, yeah. right? Whereas, you know, if if, if um, Dazen is putting on, you know, or like Golden Boy has somebody signed, whoever you're signed to, you don't want your like poster child to fight the other poster child. From another organization, because if you lose, then like You're it handicaps your ability to make money. Oh, you know? yeah. So it's like if you want this guy to be undefeated forever, you don't really want the two best guys to fight. And then both the promotions are kind of like it has to be worth so much money right. that even though one of them's going to lose, it makes sense for the promotions. But um, there is one part of this like whole spectacle, you know, influencer boxing crossover fight thing that I do. I am a little bit excited for, and that's Tyson Fury versus Ngannou. That's yeah. different. That's like, but that's like talking about being excited for Floyd Mayweather versus Conor. Like we're talking yeah. about the two greatest at their craft. Mm. They're not. They, neither of those guys are influencers. Like that's just yeah. a super fight. <clears throat> that's yeah. in the same category as Mayweather McGregor to me. Because like talking about KSI, like I hear that guy's name and I'm like the fucking sports drink doofus. Like <laughs> fuck that guy. Like I don't care how YouTube. Like you're a YouTuber, you're successful. Like I know of one YouTuber that's probably done well by himself in my book. Mm. I mean I'm biased, right? Because like I think this shit's ridiculous. Like Mr. Beast, yeah, I created a business. Like he does some cool stuff and he's charitable. And like I hear about KSI and I'm like. The guy who made the absolutely trash tier subpar hydration drink, and they're they <laughs> they are not even the owners of that drink, right? Like no, KSI and Logan yeah, Paul are just there. There's six owners. Oh, okay. There's six owners. Um, you know, and the drink brand is obviously super successful. They, oh, sure. They just they sold to uh, Coca Cola for. Did they? I think it was when? ten billion. Um, recently, oh, really? I, I believe, yeah. Oh my god. Um. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, you look that up. Just Coca-Cola buys. Like, uh, just, just. How many times did I talk about this? It's fucking, it's the worst looking hydrate. And I think uh, More Plates, Derek from More Plates, More Dates did a a video on on how bad the drink is. Oh, wow. 10 billion. Oh, my God. That is insane. So uh, by all accounts with six owners, you'd imagine that makes Logan Paul a billionaire at this point, right? I great. I don't care how much money you have. You made a shitty drink. Yeah. It I mean, <laughs> excellent plan though. Like Sure. I that's great. You can No, we've talked to way too much. No, I want I want Redmond. <laughs> oh yeah. Once once Hayden uses his influencer power to tell them to sponsor the the That's right. I keep forgetting to do I'm not, I mean this is an unofficial plug. Yeah, yeah. Relight hydration. It's a fucking that is a performance enhancing drug. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna give him a shot. Hydration in the Turkish Russian bathhouse. Uh, That's a sore spot for us. Every every podcast. Yeah, yeah, we do have to mention it. It's obligatory. (laughs) Did I tell you I I met them up in New York? Yeah, yeah. And they gave me a little bit of hope. They said the same thing they always say. But she's like, I know they've been coming back since 2019 or whatever it was. (laughs) 
But listen, I'm holding on to the hope. I got part time access to a pretty good sauna right now. Yeah. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah. St. Regis, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got the St. Regis plug. You know, I was there the other day and I, did I text you about. Yeah, it wasn't Tank. Yeah. Uh, I walked out of the, We were going down to the. So my uncle owns an apartment there. So my cousin just moved here and he's just kind of like staying there until he can find his own place. And we were. Like as an owner there at this condo building, you get access to the hotel. And it's like one of the top five nicest hotels in Miami. Maybe like one of the nicest on earth, basically, because it's just insane. insane. It, this place is insane. So we, we made a reservation to go use their sauna steam room thing. And as an owner, you get it for free. So we, you know, we, he, he wants to do it. Him and I have been training a lot together. He's a good kid. We walk out of the elevator and I'm like, you know, a short black dude in front of me with like little, you know, dreads like, uh, not dreads, but braids like tank has. And I like look down, I'm looking at his tattoos and he's at this. I'm like, oh shit, I'm like, oh, fucking Tank Davis. <laughs> yeah. Like, all five foot six of him. Like, he's Whoa. a little guy, right? Not big, but I was like, like this guy's a superstar. <laughs> yeah. Were like, people like shit. noticing that he no, was No, he there? was just like, so he was by himself. Wow. Nobody around him. He's just going back in the elevator to go up to his room, probably. But I was like, wow. Like, that's like if I walked and I saw Logan Paul, I'd be like, I just like laugh, you know, because I think the guy's a doofus or any of these other acronyms you just named. <laughs> but I see that guy. And I'm like, you're one of the greatest boxers of all time. Like, that's cool. Yeah. You're an athlete. Like, that's yeah. super cool. Yeah, it is. And um, to tie it all back together, though, I did want to talk about the Francis Ngannou thing with uh, Tyson Fury. Did you see what Tyson Fury did? Like the all the biggest sign of disrespect ever. No. He signed a deal to uh, fight Usyk. Like, oh, right after. Yeah, like a right after. Later, huh? He's like, so he's, I'm so not concerned about fighting you that I'm just going to have another huge I mean, fight. Yeah, right two months after, after right? Yeah. That's, that's a big fight. That's a big boxing fight. Yeah, that's huge. I hope it's, you know, boxing has this way of always like convincing you that a fight's going to be competitive and then it rarely is you know like the sure. last canelo one everyone's like every time canelo fights they're like does this guy have the answer for canelo and they boost this guy up and <laughs> i feel like it's a lot the easier answer to, is no shocker yeah like they're never close unless the except for that one fight with bibble where canelo had to you know okay. go up and fight the heaviest he's ever fought and yeah oh, he lost he lost that run you know but mm -hmm. it's like they're not really risking Canelo all that much. And that fight even wasn't really a risk to his legacy. It was because he could always say, yeah, you know, that guy was way heavier. Yeah, or, you know, Dude, 50 million bucks in a fight. Insane. They just get a check. <laughs> Have you gone to a boxing event? Never. It is like, it is uh, the wait, craziest I mean, I show of all time. I went to a Canelo fight and, um, uh, cause one of the guy, the guy fighting Canelo, uh, worked with uh pedro diaz mm, at, at a mundo boxing here in miami uh, and i knew them so we went to the fight and um he had it was a concert <laughs> like when canelo came out it was a concert with insane pyrotechnics like the flames that went off were so hot and like <laughs> so big it was like a massive explosion he had some uh you know 
famous musician playing like his favorite song walking out with him so oh he said that this fight too yeah they always do They're like like a rapper like a famous famous dude yeah just walking him out like going at it like next to him yeah was like, was like justin bieber the first to do that didn't justin bieber come out with floyd like back oh in did the, he not performing but walked it, out with him yeah it became like a cool know. thing to have yeah. like a rapper and mu- musician like that's, your, that's pretty squad. gangster though like, it's <laughs> it is a flex right because it's like you can wear jewelry you can do whatever but it's like look at this human i got <laughs> it's like this guy's also a superstar yeah, yeah. Like, you know how much money that costs <laughs> it is such a show or like remember tyson fury being carried out on the uh like on a king's chair. Oh, or really? That, yeah. I've like, seen the ones where Deont- I guess it was probably versus Deontay Wilder, where Deontay Wilder came out wearing some like crazy heavy shit. Like I actually hurt his performance the second time <laughs> he fought uh, Tyson Fury. I mean, it was the second or uh, they fought three times, right? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the times he came out in this crazy like body looks like a armor. F- fuck yeah! It was like some. It almost looked like some weird bdsm armor <laughs> shit it was apparently super heavy to the point where it like kind of fucked up his performance when he was fighting <laughs> Jeez, i wish someone Weird. would come out because that was kind of the deal with like with mike tyson back in the day right is that people were starting to do this and he would just come out with like a towel with a hole cut in it with yeah. like no socks or, or he and had shoes. That, um, it was like a black uh hoodie with the sleeves cut off and it just said <laughs> yeah. be real on it yeah that was pretty cool and uh it would just win and now people are coming out and yeah it's insane i respect yeah. that about anthony joshua actually he's sponsored by under armor so he just uh, comes yeah. out in like <laughs> under armor cool looking like... athletic wear and yeah. just looks like an athlete you yeah. know it's not like a big silly show right like if francis Ngannou just came out and like a tank top you know like, yeah, yeah. Came to the... i mean he's pretty scary as it is right yeah yeah <laughs> he's even mike tyson Huh? I imagine, like, imagine you do this big silly show neck and yeah. shit come out <laughs> and then this guy's just walking out silent no show you know he's gonna smash you yeah, yeah. you've just done all this goofy stuff i love there was an interview with tyson Fury. it was like one of the barstool interviews and they're talking to him about all, all oh, the kids he caleb, has caleb uh yeah. he's just talking about how much the guy jerks off he's like, he's yeah, like he, he, he jerks off seven times a day or something when he's in <laughs> fight camp he says it keeps him sharp <laughs> And Caleb's like, what? you ever worried about killing the chicken? And he's like, nah, mate. Chicken's strong. It's <laughs> like, a fucking terrible accent, but like, like... So good. So like open about it. It's like, dude, how do you... How do you do that? You find times on your schedule? I mean, it's not like he's in high school and he just... Or, you know, no. like and he just figured out he can do that. It's like, you've been doing this your whole career? What do you think about it, right? Like, man, you wake up, seven, eight o'clock, right? You got to train that day. Yeah. Like, where do you fit seven sessions in a day? How Tyson. Is, is he doing it in, like, public bathrooms and stuff? He sneaks off at the gym and... Man, like, imagine you just... Imagine you knew that. You're hanging out with your buddy. You knew that was going on all the time. Every time he goes to the bathroom, he's like, hey, man, can I use the bathroom at your house? I'm like, fuck no. <laughs> no. Get out of here. Take this shit home. <laughs> how, like, on another note, how, like, tall and, and long uh, length is Francis compared to Tyson Fury? Can we look that up? The comparison in their reach and height? And yeah, get a girth stat, too. Because how tall is uh, Tyson Fury? 6'9"? <laughs> yeah. So he says. That's a big boy. I think Francis is up there. I think Francis is like six, six five. Oh, really? Okay, I thought he was more six two, six three. I remember seeing them standing next to each other. Though I don't. Oh, six, I really four. don't know if he's six six nine. four. So they're saying six four two sixty versus six nine two seventy seven. 
Look at that guy. Uh, Just jerking it, smashing that thing all day. Oh, God. Yeah, smile. Look at oh, that body, God. dude. He, he is like the epitome of that meme. Like, uh, like it or not, this is what peak performance yeah, looks like. He just looks like a melted candle. God 85 damn. inch reach. Jesus. Damn, no damn crap, he's only huh? 34, too. Like, he's not that old. Right. Oh, yeah, 83 inch reach. And what was the other one? 84? 85. 85. So, I mean, a little yeah, bit, but not a shit. Tyson, man. So he doesn't really have him by that much. Yeah. I just wonder if he's ever been hit by somebody who hits as hard as uh, Nganu. You know? Yeah, belly, though. He's a fat dude. Yeah. He, he was, was way fatter. Yeah. But I mean, scary. I don't know if I would ever want to. You know, I, we were talking about this the other day. Cause I, we were, I tell you about that thing that happened to me in Texas where that guy tried to fight me or like she got in my face yelling at me about my dog. We were at Starbucks. I was staying at his place out in Texas. I can't remember. We went to Starbucks in the morning. I had Tim. It was him and I. It's like eight in the morning. Wanted to get coffee. Walked into a Starbucks and like just some guy just got belligerently in my face, threatening to call the cops, called me gay. Like all this insane stuff, like really aggressive. First thing in the morning. And it was like Nate and I, two biggest dudes I know, <laughs> right? And it was just a normal sized human. And it was just insane. And like insane that he would like come at me like that, yelling at me. And like Nate's like my bodyguard right next to me, like, which yeah. is hilarious. And I think about it and I'm like, if I was a normal sized dude, would, or if I was my size even, would I go up to like half Thor Bjornsson and try and start a fight with that man? It seems insane. I mean, maybe he was on drugs. Maybe he was with his little daughter, man. He was just really angry. Yeah, we stopped at Starbucks. We've got Tim, and we're standing there. And she goes, "Come on, man! You know, you know the rules." She's like, "What are you? What are you, what are you talking about? What, what was yeah. he upset about? That I had, had Tim, Tim in Starbucks. Starbucks. Why? He said dogs were illegal inside. Oh, I mean, this guy is oh, completely like, off his threatening to call the oh. cops, and yeah, Marcus is just like, "Call the cops!" Like, I we're, we're here for two minutes, like, and. Uh, <laughs> Like, but yeah, and kind of did like step step to us, you know. And he looks at me. He's like, "You you you with this guy?" And I was just like, "Yeah, bro, <laughs> fuck you." <laughs> this is the funniest thing. And after he said that, the guy, I'm sure he got some wits about him, being like, "Okay, biggest guy I've seen, next biggest guy I've ever seen, who looks even bigger." And then he's just like, looks me up and down, and it was so funny. Wearing a sleeveless shirt, I had like track pants on. He was look, look no I oh. me looks me up and down he's like hey, hey, are, you, are you gay <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> it it was I'm crazy. like we're dog. both like wiping sleep out of her. it's you know eight in the morning like Marcus looks at him I goes, could I didn't even know this I was just like man are you always just mad this early <laughs> that's the only thing I said to him yeah. really like. Well, you got to think if that's setting him off, if the presence of a dog, especially Tim, Tim, for those who don't know, Tim is like, what, always on the podcast. 15 pounds and like this big and pretty much keeps to himself. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like I had, if I had Luke in there, big yeah, boy, yeah. sure. Well, even then, it's like if you had Luke in there and Luke did something, then maybe you say, hey, please, could you right. remove your dog to get to the point of for like zero to 100 like that? Like. I've never had somebody react negatively to Tim's presence ever. No, you bring that dog with you everywhere. Right. He's, he's a fluffy little dude. Right? <laughs> It'd be like bringing Riley and then like somebody being upset that Riley was existing near them. 
Yeah, like, that happened to me on an elevator once, and the, and it was a woman and her uh, son, and the son was pressed up against the <laughs> the side of the elevator, and she said something to me, and I just went, "You got to toughen that kid up." <laughs> <laughs> like that is un- unbelievable. Riley's a French bulldog; she's twenty six pounds. <laughs> At least, like the least harmful dog imaginable. <laughs> no. Like people do that with Luke. I've been plenty of places. A bit more understandable. Oh, sure. I mean, like built to guard, you know, big giant black guard dog. That's probably mm-hmm. unlike things you've ever seen. But I've seen people like they'll be walking by and you'll just see this. <laughs> <sighs> like they'll glue themselves to the wall and stuff. Or some people will see him and just back up like, OK, understandable. But like, don't be a little bitch. First of all, dogs smell fear. They're going to think something's wrong. Yeah. You know, but if you're offended by a 20 pound, like fluffy little dude, it's, it's my weird. friend, it's weird. You've got much bigger problems. It happened to my friend the other day on the beach. Same thing. Verbatim. Someone got it in their face. Yeah. I mean, people are crazy these days. Do? But you, yeah, I, I, I'm upset that you didn't find out what that guy's story is, though, because I, I want to know what like what happened in your life to get you to this moment where this is what's happening. It was well, it's funny because I was telling Nate the night before I could not remember a time in the last 10 years that anybody ever like got in my face or like got aggressive with me ever, like ever since I was like bigger than 220 pounds. Right. And then like out in Texas, it happened a couple of times where just weird like guys would just try me. Texas, Texas, crazy place. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird that it happened more than once. Just even, even if it was a big guy and you're yelling at a small guy, it's like who wants to get in a fight? I'm like, I haven't even like, had coffee, man. Like, <laughs> like, we can't be this mad. What's going on in your life? You're the weirdest part because I thought about it afterward. He was there with his daughter. It was like five. Like, had her backpack. Better to go to school. Kid too. Mm-hmm. That guy. They never ring on, so probably divorced, right? But that's the 30 minutes of the day you get to hang out with your daughter and you're yelling at a guy, the biggest guy you've probably ever met with his friend who's also the biggest guy you've ever met over their 20-pound dog in Starbucks. I wonder, like, I mean, I'm sure you lived in that guy's head for several days. If, like, he's in your head for a different reason. Like, you give you a funny story and now sure, you get to yeah. tell it. But for him, like, I wonder, is that just going to eat him up forever? I don't know, but what's the objective? Like, you're gonna call the cops? You're gonna fight me? And what what happens? What do you, you get, do, What do you get? Even if you like it? got in a fight and you won, what if you get hit in the face and now your face hurts? Yeah. Like, why do you want that? You know, like all day because you couldn't stand a dog being near you, dude. This the, the world's gone insane. Okay, stay rational out there, guys. Please, We've, we have we need more yeah. sanity. This whole podcast is basically about how people have gone insane, and <laughs> yeah, we've it's, gone. It's Instagram's fault. It's COVID's fault. It's it's liberals. It's, it's, That's what happened to my friend. He got called a liberal. Uh, that was the insult, and he's like, I've met. He's like, he's a conservative Christian dude. It's like, and he I, got called gay. Is the intent there to say you're soft? Is that like I don't know, idea? dude. Is that what they're trying to I guess, convey? But it was so weird because he's like a tall, good-looking, married dude with a kid, and he just had his dog near the beach, and some guy like it was the same exact story. The whole thing verbatim. It was so nuts that it was like a glitch in the matrix type thing, and then he got called a derogatory term for a homosexual, and 
They said he was a liberal. <laughs> it was like... That's it, dude. Like, we're, all, we're all moving to Russia. <laughs> we're shaving our mustaches off. We're moving to Dagestan. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, right, yeah, we're done. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys.